Good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? You know, I, uh, I was thinking this week uh, about how every week I come up here and I, I basically say the same thing. I say, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing? And everybody goes, great. And, and you know, it's kind of a good morning, Cross Point Church. And, and I was thinking about that this week because really, we truly are blessed to be able to say good morning. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever really thought about that? Coming together as a faith family, just being able to, to bless one another, uh, you know, to be blessed by the, each other's presence, be gathering in this room, to, to really have a family here, a faith family, but to be able to say, good morning, Cross Point Church, especially in light of everything that's going on in our country these days. You know, last Sunday, we, uh, we, we came together, we gathered, and we worshiped together, and then we went home, and maybe some of you that evening went to... Uh, Life group, maybe some of you just had some family time, but we went to bed and we woke up Monday morning to one of the greatest mass uh, shootings that our country has ever seen. And I was thinking about that this week and, and the reality that there are a lot of people who, even this Sunday morning, are still mourning the loss of, of loved ones. Just this morning, we woke up to Hurricane Nate, uh, which is the fourth hurricane that has hit our, our country and Puerto Rico uh, has hit us. Uh, this year alone, and pretty devastating tornadoes. I woke up this morning, 100,000 people without power, going through a lot of what, what we went through, maybe even worse than what we went through uh, with Hurricane Irma. So, you know, I, I was thinking about that this morning. I'm not trying to be a, uh, you know, bring sort of a down feeling to the room, but, but we truly are blessed to be able to come in here and say good morning. Amen? To be able to come in and just be able to celebrate Jesus together and to worship together. And, uh, and, and I, just, I just don't want us to ever take that good morning time for granted. You know what I mean? I, I really am just truly blessed by you being here, and I hope that you're blessed by being here, just coming together as a family. I know the reality is that, that there's some of us in this room that are probably dealing with some stuff right now that, are, you know, maybe we walked in here this morning. We're not feeling like it's such a good morning. I know that our staff this week has been ministering to people who are in the hospital, people that are have even lost loved ones this week, and so maybe... The, Maybe you're here today and you're still having a, a bit of a struggle to say good morning here this morning. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about here today, and I can't wait to just dive into God's Word and talk about it, is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so despite whatever you're going through, whether it's uh, a shooting in Las Vegas or a hurricane or, or maybe the loss of a loved one here in this community or whatever other struggle you may be going through, we have the hope as followers of Christ Jesus and as children of God we have the hope that is found in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is worth celebrating this morning. Amen. Can we just celebrate Jesus this morning together? I know we've been singing about him and worshiping to him. And, and, uh, and, and I, I, just, uh, I just, I don't want to take uh, a good morning with you each and every Sunday for granted when we get up here and we just connect with each other once again. So uh, I'm excited about diving into the message here this morning as we as we go to the Lord in prayer, I, I would hope that we would all remember those who are dealing with the, the devastation in their life uh, this week, uh, but also just be thankful for what God's doing in our hearts and, and be blessed that we can come in here this morning and, and just welcome each other with a great spirit. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word here together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we just thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for... God, the incredible work that you're doing uh, in this place, how you're moving in the hearts and the minds of, of all of us here, God. 
And Lord, just, just celebrating things like giving the young man that came at the end of the last service and says, I want to give my life to Jesus, God. What, uh, just what a remarkable thing that is to see, God, life transformation taking place each and every day in the, in the life of this church and in our small groups and, God, just uh, even in our individual just everyday walks of life. God, you're at work and you're doing an incredible thing here. And, Lord, we couldn't be more thankful. Father, we do remember uh, the victims uh, of the, the Las Vegas shooting. God, we remember their families. And, God, how sad it is to just scroll through the different images of, of real people, God, that, that whose life ended so quickly last Sunday night. Father, we pray for those families. We pray for the victims of Hurricane Nate, God, as they struggle this morning uh, to just try to figure out where to go from here. And God, for all those that are even hurting amongst us in our faith family, our own faith family right here in our, our own community, Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you for what you want to do in this place today, God, as we open up your word and we, Lord, we dive into your word and we, we discover what it is that you, you want to teach us. Father, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful that we can come together. We are blessed to be able to say this morning together, good morning. And Father, it is truly a good morning, God, because of you. We love you so much, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's where we're going to go this morning, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, <clears throat> I believe that 1 Peter is a very powerfully important and certainly a very relevant letter for us to walk through this morning. It was a, it was a letter that, the, that Peter was writing to a group of Christians who were uh, displaced, who were being persecuted, who were going through some difficult trials in their life. They were really struggling in ways that probably you and I could never imagine. And so this, this letter that we're going to be examining this morning uh, as we kind of march through all the way to our, our text today is, is one that uh, it, it, I believe is very powerfully important for us to understand. I think you'll see why as we dive into the Word this morning. But it's also very relevant for us with all that we're going. I think it's one of these uh, passages today that we look at, and it really meets us where we're at, especially considering what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Over the last five weeks, we've been talking a lot about what it means to be salt and light, and, and the first five weeks, we really sort of focused on what it means to be the salt of the earth. We're going to make a transition today, and we're going to begin to sort of slide into what it means to be the light of the world. And so we're going to have a heavier emphasis on light, whereas we've had a heavier emphasis on salt in the beginning. And so uh, that's sort of the transition that we're going to be making here today. But Peter is writing to Christians who are experiencing heavy opposition in the society in which they live. He, he's writing to these that are, that are finding it, uh, the, the culture very hostile to Christ, very hostile to to themselves, the message that they bring. Uh, there, there's a lot of believers who are, who are beginning to share the gospel, and no doubt they want to be the light of Christ to the world. And as they go out there and they do this, they are, they are meeting opposition head on. And so they're going through difficult circumstances. Many of them are being persecuted for their faith. And so he's writing this letter in light of all of that. And he starts off, I think it's very interesting, in, in chapter 1 and even uh, part of chapter 2 here, he starts off by identifying who we are in Jesus, who we are in Christ Jesus. And so 
it, it, it's very important to sort of understand the backstory before we dive into this text that we're going to be looking at today. But, but uh, Peter starts off in, in chapter 1, verse 3, by saying that we are born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. He's identifying who we are in Christ Jesus. And he says we are born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you celebrate with me this morning that you were born again to the living hope through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior? Amen? We celebrate that, right? We do that to celebrate Jesus. We do that to celebrate new life in Christ Jesus. Born again, born spiritually, the spiritual birth through Christ Jesus. Because of his resurrection, we could even have that. And then identifying that we have a living hope in Christ Jesus. That's why when we face difficult circumstances, when we face disasters, and we face things like mass shootings, and all of those things, as distressful as that is, as troubling as it is in our country today, we see this and we still are able to hang on to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so that's what Peter is identifying there. He's sort of saying, you were born again, you were living hope. He's identifying who we are in Christ Jesus. He says this in verse 15, he, he talks about how we are set apart to be holy in a worldly society. And so he begins to talk about this reality that as, as believers in Christ Jesus, as Jesus' disciples, we are set apart. We are set apart to, to be made holy even though we are walking in a world, we are living in a world that is very worldly, that is very culturally different than we are as believers in Christ Jesus. And oftentimes that's why we see the opposition that we see when we are uh, talking about our faith or we're talking about the one whom we believe in and serve the Lord Jesus Christ and so we often find uh, just like in Peter's day the opposition that we face and so he, he continues to walk through this by the time we get to chapter 2 we see passages like this where it says he says you yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and so he talks about this reality that we are that God is doing a tremendous work in our life and in our hearts, and he is bringing us together for a, a very unique purpose to go out into the world, to be the light. He's going to talk about that in just a moment. But by the time we get to chapter 2, starting with verse 9, we begin to see the real purpose behind Peter's letter here. And I want us to sort of use this, this verse to spring into chapter 3, okay? We can't leave this one out as we prepare to dive into this text today that we're going to be looking at. But in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we read these words. Peter writes, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So here's what Peter's saying. He says, you were once walking in darkness. You were dead in your trespasses. You were at a place where you were living a life without hope. And along comes Jesus, and he rescues you out of your darkness, and he invites you and brings you along to walk with him in his marvelous light. But I don't want us to miss what's really being said here. That's worth celebrating right there. There's no doubt. But here we see 
where Peter says something that is truly remarkable, something that we need to grab hold of as we prepare to move into this text that we're going to be looking at today. He says here in chapter 2, verse 9, look at this, that you may what? That you may proclaim. It's important that we grab onto that. Not just celebrate that Jesus took us from darkness and brought us into his marvelous light. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. That's great. But it says here that you may proclaim. Remember, Peter's writing to people that are going through situations in their life that are probably much more difficult than anything we've ever been through as well. I mean, all the social issues, all the social injustices that we see in our world today, you can bet that it was about tenfold worse in their day than it was in ours, believe it or not. And so here we see where he is speaking to those who are being persecuted uh, for their faith, who have gone out trying to be the light of Jesus, and they have met opposition and then he tells you, he says, remember who you are in Jesus, the reality that you were walking in darkness, but he brought you into his marvelous light. And then he says this in verse 9, he says, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of this darkness and into the marvelous light. And so according to the scriptures, we have been set apart as holy people. Holy and righteous because of what Christ has done in our heart. We have been set apart. Holy means literally to be set apart. We're different than the rest of the world. We are different so that Christ could use us to proclaim the gospel message, the gospel truth about who he is and what he can do for a hopeless world. Amen? And as children of God, as true believers, as true disciples, we know what Christ can do for us. Amen? Amen, we know. This, there was a big amen section here. The rest of the, you know, I'm just praying for all of you, you know. So anyway, here we go. I, I'm so thankful for this group right here. No, I'm just kidding. Amen? We're thankful for what Christ has done for us. There you go. We're going to turn this into an amen church before long, okay? We're going we're to wake y'all up here this morning. So anyway, we, we see this. We started this series called Salt and Light, and we, we began to explore what it means to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And I believe that what we're going to see here in our passage helps us to be better at being the light of the world. And so that's what I want us to look at. We're looking at this morning at First Peter because it challenges us to be the light of the world in every, every aspect of our life. Uh, it talks about our responsibility uh, as we walk through this letter, especially after 2-9, uh, we begin to walk through this letter. It talks about our responsibility as Christians with government, with authority. It begins to talk about, really, our interactions, even with our employees. Again, this is real-life stuff. This is talking about how we are living our life on a day-by-day -day basis. Peter even gets into talking about how the gospel relates to life at home with our spouses, with our husbands, with our with our wives and so he covers all of that and every bit of it is evangelistic every bit of it is pointing to this reality that we are called that we are set apart and, and we are believers in Christ Jesus we have been brought out of darkness into light that we would proclaim the truth of Jesus and so this is what we're going to be talking about today now the, the the message today is titled apologetics a case for Christ apologetics a case for Christ we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. Now, the word apology, it comes from a Greek word that literally means to give a defense, to give a defense. So I, I want to I clarify what I mean by apologetics, okay? Because, because this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to give a defense 
for your faith. If you're going to be the light of the world, if you're going to go out there and shine brightly the light of Jesus Christ, then you need to be able to give a defense for the faith that you have in Christ Jesus. We're going to look at what that means here in just a moment. Every one of us as believers or children of God, we, we would be able to give at least some sort of, of account of, of what that means for us. I mean, we, we should be able to, to some degree, be able to speak about our life in Christ Jesus, to know a little bit about uh, how we got saved. I mean, we may not be a, a grand theologian at this point, but we all, uh, as children of God, should have some sort of basic understanding of, of what Christ has done for us and what he's continuing to do in our life. But this word apologetics, it means to give a defense. And that's a totally different meaning than what the word that we use today, apology, most of the time denotes. Okay, if we use the word apology today, if we apologize for something, we basically think that that means to come to someone and to say, I'm sorry for how I've offended you. I'm sorry for how I might have affected you. I'm sorry that I did this to you. And so we, we typically, when we use this word apology today, we think of basically coming to someone and just really asking for forgiveness because we have somehow offended someone. Let me say this this morning before we dive into this text, that you owe no one an apology for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I just say that this morning? You owe no apology. You do not have to tell anyone in this world that you are sorry for being a Christian. You don't have to worry about it offending anyone. But that's not what we're talking about here today. What we're talking about and what Peter is talking about is being able to give a defense for the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And this is powerful. What we're going to be looking at here this morning, I believe, is very powerful because in Peter's day, just like in ours, there were many skeptics who doubted uh, Christ, who, who really questioned Jesus to be the Christ. There were many who even denied the existence of God. Is that really any different than our world today? It's not, is it? I mean, we run into this everywhere we go. Uh, we, we used to say, uh, around here anyway, that we live in the Bible Belt. That really can't be said anymore, can it? Because the reality is we are bumping into those every single day who are skeptic of Christianity, and they are deniers of Christ Jesus, and many, even in our community today, deny the existence of God. That's in our, our community these days. That's the world we live in. And so the, uh, Peter, he's, he's talking about this. He's wanting to drill down on this. And he says, you should always be ready to give a defense for your faith. So let's look at this passage today. Because I, I believe this is going to really radically change how we've been viewing what it means to be the light of the world as we leave this place today. So look at this with me in verse 13. Peter's writing this. He says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Now, there's several interesting thoughts that, that Peter is presenting here that would probably help us with us being able to defend our faith or to be apologetic toward our faith, to defend who we are 
in Christ Jesus. And I want to get to those in just a moment. But at first, before we dive into that, I want us to go right in the center of this text. I want us to sort of begin there in the center. I usually kind of walk from the top down, but today I want to start in the middle. And in fact, I want to start right in the middle of verse 15. And I want to show you something here because I believe this is, this is hugely important for us to understand here as we dive into it. In verse 15, right there in the middle, it says this. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, I wonder if you, if you caught that. I wonder if you caught just how profound this statement that Peter is making really is. He, he says here, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you of the reason for the hope that is in you. You know, every single day we are asked tons of questions, aren't we? I mean, if you think about it, if you really think about it, you'd be amazed at how many questions you answer on a daily basis. People come in and they'll say, hey, how was your weekend? Uh, what did y'all do? And so we go into this dialogue where we begin to tell everybody what we did over the weekend. Oh, it was fun. We had a great time, you know. Hey, who won the game, by the way? I mean, you know, it's, we go into this, this question and answer time all day long. In fact, it's a, it's a regular part of our life every day. Questions come at us from all angles. We begin to wonder, you know, who's going to win the ball game this weekend? And we begin to look at some really questions that, that really are, uh, you know, really don't have a lot of impact on us. It's just really conversation fodder, if you will. But, you know, we, we begin to ask questions like, hey, what's happening at work? How are things going? Are you, you doing okay? Did you get that promotion? Here's one that we hear sometimes. Uh, I got to know, who does your hair? Okay, I, I hear that one. Not because people come to me and say, Pastor David, I got to know. Who does your hair? Uh, I do my hair, okay? It's a $15 razor, just so you know. I will not do yours, but that's about who does mine most of the time. You know, but I hear this one a lot, especially among the ladies. Every now and then, among people like Gabe, who has really good hair, you know. People, I'll hear people ask Gabe from time to time, who does your hair? Uh, but, but the reality is, you know, that's one of those questions that we get all the time. Doesn't have, well, I guess for you ladies, it has a lot of meaning, right? But we want to know the answers to these questions. We ask all kinds of questions. Do you want to play golf this weekend? Hey, you want to hang out this weekend? But let me ask you this. When was the last time somebody looked into your life? And as they looked into your life, they said, man, there's something different about you. When was the last time somebody looked into your life and said, you know what? You, you, look, you look totally different than most. I mean, you, you just have a spirit. I don't know what it is about you. There's just something different about you. I, I, I just, I watch you, and when everybody else is sort of self-destructing, you just seem to be so strong. You know, when, when, when we're worried to death about this or that, you just seem to have it all together. You seem to have peace when you really shouldn't have peace. What is the reason for the hope that you have? When was the last time anybody asked you that? Is that question as convicting to you as it was for me to consider, to even think about? The question, that, the question for me is I start thinking about this passage and I see what Peter's getting at here. He says, 
be ready to give a defense when people come to you and say, what is the reason and the hope that is in you? I mean, you just seem to have hope when everybody else seems so hopeless. And the reason that was so convicting for me is that I don't know that that question is asked of me enough. I mean, here we are today talking about what it means to be the salt and the light of the world, and we'll celebrate, man, yeah, I'm the salt, I'm the the light of the world, but are we really illuminating Jesus to the world? Are we illuminating everything else in our life? I mean, it gets serious here, doesn't it? It gets real serious here. And, and I, you know, if you think about what Peter's doing, he's writing to these people that are going through some of the most difficult times of their life. I mean, they're facing real hostility. They're facing real opposition. These are just a few people going out into the world proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Here's why. Because they believe that Jesus Christ truly has transformed their life. And so they're out there telling people, Jesus is my hope. Jesus is the source of my strength. Jesus is the source of my peace that surpasses all understanding. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but it makes sense to me because of who Jesus is. And so these people are going out and they're sharing their faith and they're meeting people head on with opposition and hostility because people don't love them and they certainly don't want to hear about Jesus. And that's not really a lot different than our world that we live in today, is it? And so Peter says to them, he says, you need to be ready. You need to be ready for when people ask you, what is the hope that is within you? How are you going to answer that question? But here's the thing, we must be living our life. If we're truly going to be the light of the world, we must be living our life in such a way that people would ask, where do you get the hope that is within you? Otherwise, they never ask. You want to be the light of the world? Here's what I believe. I, I don't believe for one minute that being the light of the world is hiding our light under a basket. The Scripture is very clear about that, right? We could never be the light of the world if we're going to just simply flip the switch off when we leave church and flip it back on when we walk in the doors. Good morning. I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Flip it back off when we go back out into the streets. Peter is writing a very profound passage here that he's, he's asked us to look at here. We, I mean, God's Word gives us something to really consider here. He's writing to these people living in, in troubled times, and Peter says that when people see your hope, despite the troubled times, they're going to ask you, they're going to wonder what is the source of, of your hope and he says you need to be ready to answer that question and so this morning I want us to look at look into Peter's instructions here because I believe what he does is he offers us some stuff that helps us with some real practical ideas or truths to to really get us ready to get us ready to to share the hope that is within us to share the hope of Christ Jesus it, you know, I don't want to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but let me ask you this question sort of rhetorically. How many of us here truly believe that Jesus Christ is the source 
of our salvation. How many of us truly believe that Jesus Christ has radically transformed our life, he's transformed our life, and that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us, he's making us a better man because of everything, or woman, based off of everything that he's doing in our life, and so we truly believe that we have a new life in Christ Jesus. We were once walking in the darkness, but now we're walking in the light because of everything that Jesus Christ has done for us, if that is truly what you believe here this morning, then why aren't you sharing that message with people who are living their life without hope because Jesus Christ gave you hope and that's the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Amen? Amen? And so we have passages like this to look into God's Word and to ask ourselves, what is it that we need to understand that we could be better light into the world that we live in, this world that we live in, this world that is full of darkness. And so let's look at these real quickly here. First of all, he says this. He says, man, this, this is an interesting one to me because it's kind of centered upon good works and really everything outside of Christ Jesus is just filthy rags. So obviously it begins with, with salvation. It begins with sanctification, what Christ is doing in our life. But here's what Peter says. I love this. He says, be fanatical about goodness. Be fanatical about being good. Be fanatical about being good. Uh, we see here in verse 13, this is what he says. He says, and this is just such truth thrown right in our face, right? I mean, he just, boom, he just tosses it out there. It's like, whoa. You know, he tosses this out there. He says this in verse 13. He says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good. And so we look at this and we wonder, what in the world does this mean? I believe that what Peter is saying is this, is that even in a hostile world, it is, it is a, a hostile world is gonna be slower to hurt people who are good, who are thoughtful, who are loving, who are caring, than people who are themselves hostile as well. And that's what I think he's saying. He's saying, listen, don't ignore good works. Don't ignore being a caring person. Don't ignore being a compassionate person. Don't ignore doing good things. In fact, he doesn't just say don't ignore it. He says be zealous for goodness. He says be zealous for what is righteous. Be zealous for good works. I love this word zealous. It literally means enthusiastic or passionate or obsessive or fanatical. You know, it, it's something that we need to be crazy about. Most of us in this room are fanatical about something. Most all of us are in this room are fanatical about something. What the Word of God says is be fanatical for goodness. Be good, fanatical for good works. Many of you that are in here today, you know that I am a Georgia Bulldog fan. Uh, you can amen that. That's spiritual. About half the crowd. Bunch of Florida people in here. I hope not. Hope, well, I, actually, I do. I hope you get saved this morning. But anyway... <laughs> Most of you in here know that I'm a Georgia fan. Red and black has been running through my veins for, since I was just a baby. My dad used to carry me up there. And so this year, as you can imagine, I'm going crazy. Just, just yesterday, I'm sitting there as we're looking to be 6-0. and And by the way, we are 6-0. and I was, uh, I was watching the game, and Linnell's over there. You know, she's studying the Word of God and stuff like that. And I'm going, yes! I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, and... And just so excited about, just so fanatical about, you know, being a fan 
is just, it's just a short word for fanatical. So it's being a fan or being fanatical for the Georgia Bulldogs. But, but this is a very challenging passage here that is being presented to us because Peter says, are you fanatical for going out and being a good person? Are you fanatical for righteousness? Because he, he makes an interesting point here. He says, Those, who, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for being good? He's basically saying, be passionate, be fanatical about goodness, which is very hard. It's very difficult to persecute. It's hard. And so he challenges us with this truth. It's very upsetting to me to see so many people in this world who claim Christianity and rant and rave with such hatred on social media and everywhere else, and I wonder how in the world could anyone see the light of Christ in that? And yet it happens every day. Be fanatical for goodness and for righteousness. Be zealous for those things. Now here's what Peter also knows. He knows that just because you're a good person doesn't mean that you may always be exempt from persecution. He knows that just being a good person may not always get you out of trouble. And so he goes on as he continues to read. We see here in, in verse 14, we see where he says, also be prepared for suffering. So he says this, be, be intentionally fanatic about goodness, but he says, be prepared for suffering. Just in case, he says, he says you may not suffer, but if you do, and I love this, he says, if you suffer, it's still going to be a blessing. Now, how do you figure that? Because our hope isn't in the situation that we find ourselves that's causing the suffering, is it? Our hope is in who? Is in Christ Jesus. So whether it's a mass shooting, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's anything else in our life that we could possibly think about that may cause us harm, no matter what we're going through, even in our suffering, we will be blessed because our hope is in Christ Jesus. He's already covered that in chapter 1, chapter 2. He's covering it again in chapter 3, over and over and over. He's saying, listen, your hope is not in this world. Your hope is in the things of Christ. Your hope is in Jesus. But just in case you find yourself suffering, be prepared for that. And know that you'll be blessed. It's a good thing that Peter brings this up because the reality is most all of us in this room will probably suffer from time to time. Most of us in this room will probably find ourselves in very difficult situations. So it's good that he brings this up. It, it's one that maybe can stir our hearts. Maybe it's one of these kinds of verses that points us back to Jesus. And maybe we're going through something right now in our life and life just seems to be one big pile of suffering in our life. And maybe it's in this passage that, that the Word of God reminds us that we are still blessed. We came in here this morning able to say good morning, right? By the grace of God, we're able to come together and gather together as a faith family without the threat of someone coming in here and shutting us down because it's illegal to be a Christian in America, persecuting us, casting stones at us because of our faith. But it's a good thing he brings it up because ultimately we will suffer. 
Many Christians today are suffering in the hands of, of people all over this world. We, we live in a, a day and an age where just being a good person isn't good enough. In fact, all across the world, there's a lot of persecution that is taking place. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters that live in some of these foreign countries where there is a great amount of persecution. I was reading an article just recently uh, in Christianity Today, and, it, and it, it's, it brought up something really interesting to me. It says, for the third year in a row, the modern persecution of Christians worldwide has hit another record high. But the primary cause, Islamic extremism, now has a rival. It's not just that anymore. It's ethnic nationalism. I would also add to the list secularism. Secularism and a whole bunch of other isms that, could, that you could throw in there that really are coming on strong to discredit Christianity today. And we're facing that as the church. We're facing that as the body of Christ. All over this world, Christians are dealing with suffering. And I can only imagine that the suffering may intensify as we continue to live out our a life to the end before we have that wonderful privilege to stand in the presence of God. Prepare for suffering. That's what Peter says. He says, be fanatical for goodness. Be prepared for suffering. And then he says this. He says, be courageous. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've already just had the pants scared off of me, right? I mean, I mean all this is talking about suffering. I mean, you're sitting there going, man, I mean, now you're just kind of, ringing in fear and that's why he brings this third truth to us he says and also be courageous well man I, you know you look at that and you say man Peter that'd be easy for you to say but then I'll think about Peter's life and no it wasn't easy for him to say that was it any more than it is for us I mean he, he's talking about real fears in our life real struggles real times of anxiety in our life and he says in the midst of all of that because your hope is in Christ Jesus be courageous be courageous. He says here, at, at the second part of verse 14, he says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. It is obvious that when we look at the life of the disciples, we see some very courageous men, don't we? We, we see men all through the scripture, these disciples, these, this early church that, that as Jesus ascended into heaven and, and they were given this great commission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Think about what was being asked of them. This small group of people looking at the world and it all being sort of in their hands now to go out and to proclaim the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness and into his marvelous light to go out and to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the living hope for all people, to go out and proclaim this truth even in the midst of opposition and hostility in their world. And he calls them and he says, you go and you share the gospel. And I can only imagine that as they went, there were things that rose up that really caused a lot of fear in their life. And so Peter says, have no fear of these people. In fact, he says, don't be troubled about any of this. And they taught by example how to be courageous. In Acts chapter 4, when we read through there, we, we see the, the story of the, of the early church, and we have this story of, of Peter and John who, 
who are out there preaching the gospel. They're doing exactly what Jesus has called them to do. They're going out and they're proclaiming this good news of who Christ is and, and how Jesus has transformed their life. And so they go out there and they're, they're doing nothing but preaching the resurrection of Jesus. It's not like they're harming people. They're just telling the truth. They're telling the truth about who Christ is. And they, they sort of cause a stir in the community. And so this council of leaders, spiritual leaders and elders and all, they, they go and they arrest them or they gather them up and they bring them in and they begin to question them and we see Peter do something really amazing because Peter begins to preach to them I mean here they are they're like hey what are, what are you saying out there he said well, I'll just give it to you straight man Jesus has changed my life he says man Jesus has has radically transformed my heart that that I was once walking in darkness and 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 and, and Jesus came into my life and then then he was he was killed on a cross he was he was killed on a cross and they buried him in a barred tomb and and he rose from the grave he begins to preach the resurrection of Jesus right to this council and they say okay we've heard enough they sort of kick them out for a minute and they they come together and they discuss what are we going to do with this and finally they bring them back in and they go okay guys here's the deal you stop preaching this nonsense or else you stop preaching this we're serious you stop preaching this this will be the last time you preach that message and I want to read to you what the scriptures say how they responded in Acts chapter 4 verse 19 and 20 it says but Peter and John answered them and they said whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather to God you must judge but for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard with their life on the line Peter and John says listen we hear you loud and clear we hear you you say well, I can't preach this you know I have to make a decision do I listen to you or do I listen to God and what they say what these two men say is they say we're going to listen to God always and we're going to preach the truth and you do with us what you have to do but we are not going to stop talking about what we have seen and heard and what we know to be true you see, Peter's not just telling the rest of the world, hey, y'all be courageous, while he sort of hides out in a cave. No, he set the example for us in being courageous. He says, do not fear them. Do not fear them and do not be troubled. Be obedient to what Christ has done in you and the reality that he has set you apart to be holy in a very despairing world a very lost world and you go out and you proclaim the excellencies of him who changed your life I've only got four more of these so hang on I'm kidding Paul said this he says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek Think about what Paul's saying here for just a moment. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Another rhetorical question for you here this morning. How many of you believe, you don't have to answer this, I don't, I don't even want you to respond here this morning, but how many of you believe deep in your heart that the gospel is that message of Jesus Christ that so radically transformed your life. 
hearing the truth about Jesus, believing in your heart that Jesus Christ truly did go to the cross and it was there that he died. It was there that his blood was spilled. It was there that his blood was spilled for the atonement of your sin. And when he had died on that cross, he took, they took his body down from that cross. And when they took his body down from that cross, they took him and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He didn't even have his own place. They just put him in a borrowed tomb. And it was there for three days that he would lay as a dead man how many of you here this morning believe in the reality that in three days God raised him from the dead that God raised him from the dead and he had victory over sin our sin he had victory over our sin and he had victory over death not only living as our living hope today but also giving us the living hope through his life how many of you believe in the supernatural Jesus how many of you believe in that Jesus you see the reality is there's a lot of people in this world today that believe in the historical Jesus oh there was a man yeah I don't doubt that there was a man named Jesus I believe in that guy he he was buried in a he was he was hung on a cross and he was buried in a tomb and and I'm not so sure about that whole resurrection piece See, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. The reason that these disciples, the reason that the early church could go out and so boldly proclaim the truth of who Jesus was is because they believed in who Jesus was. The last thing I want to give you here this morning is this truth that Peter is teaching he says he says man if you're going to do anything and I love this he says if you don't hear but one thing here this morning hear this be passionate for Jesus be passionate for Jesus he says in verse 15 but your heart but in your heart honor Christ the Lord as holy. In doing so, we are affirming the sovereignty of God in our life. By believing, by being passionate, by believing that Christ is the Lord, holy in all things, set apart, righteous in all things, believing in our hearts that Christ is our Lord. In doing so, in believing that, we're affirming the sovereignty of God in our life. We're recognizing the majesty of Jesus. We're, we're saying, Jesus, you are the source of my worship. You are, you are the source of, of my freedom. You are the source of my righteousness. You are the source of the peace. You are the source of my living hope. You are the source for everything that is meaningful to me. You are the source of everything that is eternal to me. Be passionate for Jesus. Be passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to save your soul. If there's one thing 
to carry out with you this morning. One thing that you take with you, please take this, that Jesus is the source of our worship. He is the object of our worship. He is, he is our perfection. May we be passionate for him and exalt the name of Jesus above everything else. If we want to be the light of the world, we've got to know him. If we're ever going to be the light of the world, we've got to know him. This morning, my greatest prayer is that we know him. That we know him. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and then our band's going to come out and they're going to lead us in this last song and and I pray that this morning that whatever Christ has laid on your heart, whatever way is an acceptable response to what Jesus is speaking in your life, that you would be faithful and obedient to respond to that. Maybe it's to come to this altar and just lift up so many people who are hurting in our world, to lift up the victims that, that we read about and hear about but we don't even know them, but read about and hear about. And God, just just pray for them. May we just pray for them. May we be the salt of the earth. May we be the light of the world by beginning our day by praying for people who are hurting and living their life without knowing the hope that is found in Jesus. Maybe that's your greatest act of worship. Maybe coming and speaking to one of our pastors and saying, I want to I know more. Our pastors will be down front. They... They're, they're more than willing. We're more than willing to just talk with you and, and say, Here, here's some answers to the questions that you seek. You want to know more about Jesus? Man, we've got, we've got an entire gospel that tells us all about Jesus. Maybe this morning, God is moving in your heart in such a way that you just want to, you can't even find yourself standing or kneeling. You just want to remain seated in your in your chair and just worship God through prayer. Maybe your greatest act of worship is to stand up and to just sing with all of your heart the lyrics of our last song as we worship together in spirit and truth. But may you speak and may you worship with God in these last moments. Let it be a time of response as we think about what it means to know Jesus, to believe in Jesus, and to be the light of the world for Jesus.